That's me on the podcast Sharing a song With something to say about it With Thin Lear And Diagra Moon Losing my opinion I'm not doing so hot. Yeah, Thin Lear, you're looking a little rough <clears throat> over there. I'm not doing so hot. Yeah, you're you're a little sick this week. It's a good thing I really pay you the big bucks to show up or else... Uh, you know, if I didn't make the money I made from this show, I really would, would reconsider. You'd be out of here in a second. I'd be out of here. Uh, I'm on a lot of medication right now. Oh. Kind of feels like a dream, but maybe it'll be a great episode because I'm out of my mind. But I'm not too out of my mind to plug a show I have coming up yes. on June 6th, Tuesday, June 6th, opening for Gringo Star. I'll be opening for them at Heaven Can Wait, and I believe the show, The Doors Are at 7. It'll be a great one. So please, if you're in the New York City area, come on down June 6th. Heaven Can Wait. Heaven Can Wait, yeah. Is that a movie or a show or a song? All of the above, I'm sure. It's a venue. Well, I guess, listener, if you hear a loud thud, that's my forehead hitting the bottom of my computer. Crashing on the table. Yeah. Uh, but today, I'm trying to... Oh, wait. What is this podcast oh, again? Yes. Thank you for reminding me. Dutifully, this is uh, the podcast Losing My Opinion. I am charmingly ornate indie musician Niagara Moon, a.k.a. Thomas. I am nasally congested indie musician Thin Lear, a.k.a. Matt. And on this podcast, we relish the art of the surprise. We're both coming in with uh, songs to share, points to make. The other person mm. has no idea what to expect. We, we find it all out the day of, uh, much to each other's chagrin. Indeed. And displeasure. <laughs> yeah. Well, I have, a, I have a good one today. Well, I shouldn't say that. I have one today. Uh, a great artist that I, th- I don't know how well you know them. I know you know certain singles from them. I don't know how deeply you've delved into their catalog mm. but we talk about songwriters with range who can do a whole lot we think about like you know scott walker or something where it's like okay what he made at the start of his career is just totally different universe than what he was doing at the end creative range aesthetic range right like not necessarily vocal range <laughs> some may say bowie kate bush pj harvey you know sure. where it's like chameleon. chameleons exactly you know um, me coke I guess, sure. Uh, it's exciting to listen to them sort of evolve and, and do that. But there's a different kind of range where the artist is working within a genre, working within a sound, but they keep bending it in all kinds of directions. Mm. And I feel like it's almost a trickier thing to do because you're not like abandoning the genre. You're just changing the form with still some aesthetic parameters. And I think it's an interesting thing to watch an artist evolve within the genre and but still kind of adhere to it and there's an artist that we have not touched on at all i'm not sure if you're a fan um he's a slippery cat sometimes he's frightening sometimes he's funky sometimes he's heavy or funny or all of those things we're talking today about an esteemed member of the medical profession Mm. dr john Uh, (laughs) what do you know about dr john I feel like I've heard you bring him up once. I, I think it was maybe in the context of the last waltz, or no? Yeah, yeah. He was certainly one of those the seventies uh, go tos. You know, if you like the band, you'll like Doctor John. Uh, I'm kind of whatever about him. You know, I go. I was in the right place. Must have mm-hmm. been the wrong time. Uh, I never dug super into him. I don't know. I, I this is this is a good one. I I could be uh, getting my my eyes open to new possibilities here. Um, mm. He did an album with Dan Auerbach, or however you pronounce it, of uh, of the Black Keys. Lockdown was was okay. I don't know he's he's okay in my book. I I don't think of him too much one way or the other. Okay, it's surprising to me that a lot of people only know him from his appearance in the Last Waltz. Or if they do know him, it's it's such a night. They know that song. Or they know Right Place, Wrong Time, like you were just saying. Just these funky 70s hits. My argument today is that this dude is as chameleon-like as some of his other ever-evolving peers of the era. But 
he evolves within genres that are tied to that New Orleans piano-based mm. blues and jazz and rollicking R&B it's pronounced sound. pronounced I wouldn't dare. <laughs> you can go ahead and do that, though. He's just, yeah, he's always just been kind of almost a novelty act, so close to it in my mind, not to dim- diminish his musical talents, but just that weird, creepy, pseudo-mystical New Orleans guy that is always kind of lurking in the corner on the piano. Sure. That is an incredibly derogatory way of referring to him and minimizing his talent. Oh, so let's really? go to, let's look at a couple of different songs now that hopefully breaks you out of that. Okay. Uh, sure, he wears feather earrings, but don't let that dissuade you from, you know, checking it out and trying to get into the music. All right. There is an album. Let, let's go back in time. We're going to start with a song that I'm going to have to send you the spelling of because there's no way just me saying it is it's called gree gree gumbo ya ya this is where it all started this is where the dr john character began this is where he got his medical license this is where he got his medical license yeah his name's actually mac rebenek are you serious yeah he's, he's, yeah. yeah yeah he's born he's not even a john no he's not john born in new orleans grew up in the third ward Heavily influenced by Professor Longhair. She's an incredible uh, New Orleans piano player. Um, that guy's amazing. Uh, he's got this voodoo-inflected persona that you alluded to that draws heavily on uh, New Orleans culture. And he developed a stage act based on a, a 19th century voodoo priest named Dr. John Crew. Not sure if that's real or invented. Uh, but this first record, uh, The Night Tripper, is just like... I, I've, really, there are not too many albums like his first record. Uh, I've not really heard another one that blends genres like this one does. It's like psychedelic rock and bluesy and kind of menacing. And there's a supernatural element to it. I, I really just have not heard a lot of albums like this one. Even in his own canon, there's not a lot that's like it. And people obviously had no idea what to, what to do with it when it was released. And it was kind of like, I think, put into that like um, Captain Beefheart uh, yeah, maybe the st- wacky outsider artists. Yeah, he's a he's a wacky fella, and and that's sort of where it started. And then I think he made his way over to the mainstream a little bit more than Captain Beefheart did. But let's listen to this song. I want to see how you feel about it. Yeah, isn't okay. Yeah, this is the album cover I'm familiar with. He looks like a mad scientist. Yes, late at night, pouring over his cauldron or something. Yes, indeed. I I'm not anti Doctor John. I just the little snippets I've been exposed to. I was like, ah, pretty good. But like, it never spoke to me as like a genre or a style that I'd be like, you know, super intrigued by to begin with. I was always like, okay, he's doing his thing. Maybe one day I'll check out some more. Maybe I won't. But I guess uh, today's the day. Today's the day. We'll we'll see where I land here. I think the production on this is um, just really unique. You know, it it really, I, I think I read somewhere that he recorded it. He was, he was an ace session musician. Like everybody wanted him. He recorded with Frank Zappa, all kinds of people that really demanded like a high level of musicianship. And I think he got a lot of studio time from that. So he would work late at night uh, and then do his sessions during the day. And like, this sounds like a record that was recorded at night having like, you know, minimal resources, but time and space to work on your craft. And uh, it's just very singular you know, right. you get good stuff that way a lot of the time. Yeah, gree gree gumbo ya ya from the Night Tripper. Huh? I see what they did there. Nineteen sixty nine. Yeah, the fact that this came out in sixty nine is like bananas. <laughs> I'm expecting a psychedelic feel here. Uh, re- we ready to dive in? Yeah, let's do it. All right. They call me Dr. Jones, known as the Night Tripper. Got my satchel of grease in my hand. Then we tripping up and back down the bayou. I'm the last of the best, they call me the Greedy Man. Got many clients. Come from miles around Running down my prescription I got medicine 
cure all y'all's ills. I got remedies of every description. Sounds like a Hades Town character. Hit <laughs> now. You got love trouble, you got a bad woman you can't control, I got just the thing for you. Something called controlling all some get-together drops. If you work too hard and you need a little rest, try my so this is kind of like his mission statement. <laughs> in your breakfast. Try a little bit of... So that's the opening track on the record. Obviously, this was not an album that was destined for radio, I think, at the time. But there are there's a song on there that I think points in the direction of kind of the more mainstream places that he would go, but is also still like vaguely avant-garde or whatever you want to call this combination of things. What's your impression after listening to that? Hmm. Let's say I got an Airbnb in New Orleans for a few nights. I go down to whatever the hell it is, Bourbon Street. You know, I want to hear a little music, you know, really take in the New Orleans feel. If I saw somebody like him at a local nightclub and maybe they got the the, the weird colored lights and there's props and they're doing that kind of mystical thing, Okay, sure. I, this is this is cool. This is a vibe. I'm here. I don't know. It just it feels like such a character though, and it's really he's there's no vocal melody. He's just doing his little routine. Uh, I got all these magical potions to cure your ills, and there's not a ton happening musically. It's just all a vibe. It's all an atmosphere. Eh. I don't know, like it's, it feels like my enjoying it is, would be very conditional. Like I'd have to be in the world of True Detective season one and wanted mm. to get into a certain kind of spooky south, deep south headspace. Otherwise, it's like it's, just, it's not checking any box for me, but it's not particularly objectionable either. So I'm kind of that, – that's probably not what you wanted to hear. No, I don't care what you think about this music. <laughs> you just want to go back to bed. Give a shit. Uh, let's go in a direction that's more mainstream, I think. All right. Yeah, I could, right place, wrong time or whatever. I remember sort of being definitely more than this into that one. I kind of like the funky element. Uh, yeah, what, what do you got for me? Let's listen to a, a song called Big Chief. So he's still working with the, the that sound, but it's obviously way more fun here, way less sinister uh, this is where he starts using his powers for like party music. Mm. Uh, super, super amazing tone on this keyboard that he's playing on here. All right. Big Chief. Is this a, uh, are a lot of these covers? I know Ico Ico is like a traditional song. Um, yes, I believe this one's a cover. I don't know who it is. It might be Professor Longhair. I don't yeah. know who did this one. I might have to edit that part out. Um, yeah, I don't know. Isn't I my my negative Nancy voice right now is going? Isn't he maybe just a watered down version of the artists, like the local artists he's inspired by? And when I really be better off, like tuning into the real thing by just listening to Professor Longhair type, or is he bringing something new to the table? You know, uh, you're not gonna. I mean, sure. Like I yes and no. I mean, I think you can do, you can go in that direction. And like, you know, I heard about Professor Longhair, not because I heard about Professor Longhair, but because I heard about Dr. John, who led mm. me to Professor Longhair. Sure. You know, or I heard about Dr. John, I heard about Alan Toussaint, mm. and I heard about the meters, you know. So I think Ooh, that he is meters, a gateway yeah. to, to um, a lot of great things, and that he himself is a great thing, you know. But I think you can take whatever perspective you would want to take. I mean, it's like saying, like, oh, why do I have to listen to Joni Mitchell? Can I just go to, like, Woody Guthrie or something? It's like, you know, you, you could kind of pass through as many doors as you want or, or stop and sure, sure. appreciate the particular 
spot that you're at. And I guess the truth of it is I'm not about to go listen to Professor Longhair either, so... <laughs> No, Throw that complaint out <laughs> no. The window. I think this is way closer to the, if if you're because you know I don't think that you are like particularly into like any bluesy kind of stuff, and I think that the closer it gets to funk and and party music, you know he does do that. I think he was influenced also by like Fats Domino and 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 people like that of of that era uh, with his piano playing, and I and I do think you know it's his culture like he was he was born there, yeah, and so and. It's his background. He is like for sure. I think with like the whole like the 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 voodoo stuff, and you know, I think there are some racial issues to to parse here. But um, musically, when it, when isn't that the case? Uh, yeah, I mean, just <laughs> yeah, always. But I think that you know, to your question of like, why not just listen to Professor Longhair? I, I think he's adding something else to the sound. I mean, I. If he goes into funk, that's how you got me to like uh, country music. True. You got me to sign on with that pretty hard once uh, they introduced the funk element in the 70s. Right. Yeah. All right. We'll see how you feel about this song. I'm more optimistic. What is this, 1972? We're getting in the sweet spot here. Hmm. Great album artwork, uh, Dr. John's Gumbo. Yeah, great record. This is like a record of party music. This is all fun songs. A lot of covers on this record. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll try to keep uh, an open mind here. I do, I do want to like this. I don't want to just uh, shit on the parade today. Okay. Cool organ tone. He's, a, he's such a great player. It's got more of that uh, meters flavor. Oh, yeah. in that audience listening to this song I would think it would be impossible not to be into it that's what I was just thinking is it's one thing to just sit here in front of a computer listening and to analyze but if you're party down music. if you're down where the party's happening it's like this is what you want again it's it's conditional though I gotta be in the right setting I gotta go to it it's, it's fine it's, it's, it's perfectly serviceable it's uh, it's like a good uh Meters B-side or something. Oh, man. <laughs> Jeez Louise. Am I crushing your hopes and dreams here? Mr. Craggy Pants over here. Um, all right. I'm going to do one more song because I give up on this and I don't have the energy <laughs> to get you into a musician that is clearly great. I'm not happy about my stance, by the way. I'm not proud of this. I just, I'm not, I'm not hiding <laughs> my initial response better how many other legends can i bring you for you to be like well this is no sung tongs yeah whatever that record is called probably a dozen yeah (laughs) that i'd be that way with um let's listen to a song called from that record he made with dan auerbach sure uh called kingdom of isness and this is from what like 2009 2012 2012 it's like one of the records one of his last records He's pretty prolific. And his voice sounds exactly the same. <laughs> kind of, yeah. Is it, he's still working within that form, but it's very contemporary. And there's like a whole lot of blue-eyed soul on Spotify right now. Like it's kind of mm. dominating the algorithm. Just well, like it's because you keep listening to Michael McDonald on loop. That'll happen, Longo. <laughs> I don't. There's just like a lot of it. There's a lot of it out there. Um, and this is, I, I think... It's in the Venn diagram of that realm, but it's just, I think, a lot better than most of what's out there. And 
uh, he just brings an interesting element to it. Yeah, locked down. Title track is all right. Might be the one of my favorite things I've heard from him. It's a decent groove. Uh, this is Kingdom of Isness. All right, let's see what the old man's got in store. It's fine. It is perfectly fine, swampy, funky New Orleans party music. Uh, I'm just—I don't go to funky, swampy parties very often. So here, maybe mm. you're, you're you're talking to the wrong guy. I'll pose the question to you: when, when do you listen to this music? What what's what kind of setting? How do you, how do you engage with the good doctor? Nighttime at a party. You know, I think he's always doing something that sounds kind of mysterious and cool. You know, even if it's fun, it's kind of cool. If it's far out, it's cool. It's, you know, I, I think that's why Such a Night and Right Place, Wrong Time are such enduring hits because there's like a little bit of an edge to them. And even weirdness. at his most mainstream, he's like a little bit weird. But he's always still working within that genre. Um, he's, he's never escaping it. He's just like contorting it. And the fact that he contorted it for, I don't know, how many years, 50 years or longer than that uh, is incredibly impressive for... Um, for him to do that. I would also say that if you have the audacity to ask me, why don't I just listen to Professor Long here? As a fan of Michael McDonald, uh, you're going to ask me, why don't I just listen to the real thing? <laughs> I would ask you, are you out of your mind? And that's where I think we'll end. Keep forgetting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's only one like him, though. Come on. I guess. What have you been listening to this week, Thomas? Losing my opinion. Yeah. All right. So we're we're switching it over to me. Huh? I'm I'm the bad guy this week. I'm the asshole. It's more. What have I been actively avoiding listening to? Is the the question for today? Okay. Oh, we got a bad one. Uh Why? Well, I, I don't know. Maybe you'll freaking love it. Uh, many people seem to. I'm really. I'm not making any friends this episode. I'm I'm dragging you on here when you got a horrible head cold. Um, shitting okay. on uh, your favorite New Orleans musician. And then I'm coming in here with something per, uh, div- divisive, derisive. This, 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 we'll see how this lands. This is going to be a, a rough one. So strap in. I'm talking today about music that, well, I guess at least a particular album, but certainly a whole str- a whole body of work, a whole stretch of a discography that I would say just is one of the all-time most glaring examples of The Emperor's New Clothes. I want to talk about the 1997 album Time Out of Mind by Bob Dylan. Okay. 
Are you uh, familiar I with am. this album? You are. Yeah, yeah. H- how do you sit with that album? Uh, I think we're going to really go head to head today. <laughs> oh, Because I think that record's great. Okay. Yeah. Well, that makes one of us. Yeah. It's, it's a very popular, it won three Grammys. Mm. It's a very so, popular, successful album. There's a soy bomb incident, I believe, that was connected to this record. Do you remember that? A what? Soy bomb. Do you remember that? Okay, so there's a guy. Are you having a stroke? What? No, no. I think most most listeners who are fans of this record or Bob Dylan in general mm-hmm. know of this instance at the Grammys, and he was promoting this record. Uh, and he there's a guy that comes on stage with his shirt off, and he has the word soy bomb written on his chest, and he starts just gyrating. Uh, and he was he was you know. He was, he was uh, what's the word, like just dance bombing this performance. <laughs> and it's amazing to watch because Dylan is playing and he just kind of like looks over and, and you know, like, is this supposed to be happening? And then just starts, continues singing. And it's so funny because he's just like clearly weirded out by it, but he's like, all right, whatever, I'm just going to keep singing. Like, it's, it's such a great Bob Dylan moment. Uh, it's very funny. You have to see it. And he's, and he's playing, I think... Um, uh, love sick or whatever that's I'm sick of love that that song and uh he's playing that tune and this guy's just gyrating next to him it's a great moment in, in music history i'm looking up that for sure after this episode record but very funny generally and this is my loss you know this is this is something i have to work on but baby boomer musicians after a certain age i lose interest you know, take your pick. With, with rare exceptions, maybe I'll make an episode about the uh, the ones I still enjoy someday. But even so, say you take you know later Leonard Cohen when his vocal range is down to like half of a note, or you know David Bowie's uh, comeback in the the two thousand tens. Even if I don't particularly enjoy it or seek it out, I I kind of get it. Like I get that there's still something going on there that people will find interesting and, and fans of these artists will have something to enjoy. I like, I don't, it's not lost on me later period Dylan. I don't fucking get it. And again, I'm not trying to say, you know, I I'm better than you. I have the right opinion. I, it's my loss. There could be more albums out there that I could be enjoying, but I don't get it at all. Like I, from the '80s on, <laughs> eh, whatever Joker man, that's well and good enough. But he just everything that I would want from a Bob Dylan song or any kind of artist. I don't. There's nothing left. I'm I'm just picking at chicken bones. I don't get it. I mean, maybe you can help me today. Maybe that maybe that's what this is, is. You can try to help me understand. Well, I wouldn't. I wouldn't look to time out of mind though as the. You know, obviously it's his late period, and he's been around forever. I, I look at his later period as like love and theft onwards, where okay. he's got like his like never-ending tour band, and he's doing the jingle jangle music. Uh, but it's like very, um, you know, he's like song and dance man kind of thing, like very old-timey music. He's really like cemented himself in that aesthetic. Mm-hmm. And I do like ser- songs off of those records, like from Love and Theft. Onwards, right. Maybe we'll check that out too. That's from like 2001. That was the next one after uh, exactly. Time but out but of Mind. Time Out of Mind is like that's its own record. I don't think there's another record in his discography that sounds like that one. I mean, you might not like it, which sounds like you don't, but like it's very much um, its own thing and also really of its era too. Like with uh, uh, Daniel and Juan, you know, everybody that worked on it is just like it's a real 90s um, experience. It was his first record in seven years that, in everybody's mind, cemented his legacy. And it was like one of the biggest comebacks of all time. It was like it put him back on the map and back into relevance for decades to come, blah, blah, blah. I don't get it. Uh, it won three Grammys, like I said, 9.4 on Pitchfork. Mm. If, you, if you Google Bob Dylan albums ranked consistently, it ranks above stuff like John Wesley Harding. Love that record. Desire, New Morning. What the fuck are we talking about? I, I, I just got to put on a song before I get too much more flustered here. I, I'd put it above New Morning. I wouldn't put it above um, John Wesley Harding or Desire. <sighs> what, what, what's the best in your mind, the best song on Time Out of Mind? Hmm. 
Is it Not Dark Yet? That's the one people talk about. That's a great song. Love Six is, is a good song. Trying to Get to Heaven, I really like that song. Trying to Get to Heaven? Right. Yeah, let's, let's listen to that, that song. Yeah, and I do. I like the production. It's like, uh, you know, I get you just talked about how you don't like swampy music, but I, uh, it's not that I don't like swampy music across the board. And f- and in fact, from the little I've I've heard of this album, the production was the only thing, the only positive that stuck out to me uh, as something that was kind of engaging or interesting. But that was the one thing that Dylan said he didn't like about this album or regretted and then like never but he'll, he says Logan. all kinds of shit <laughs> he, well, he, he does, says yeah. whatever he's saying you can't even you can't trust whatever he's saying that's true uh, alright well so this is one of the tunes I did not sample maybe I'll just love it and the rest of this episode will be Sunshine and Daisies I doubt it if you didn't like the rest of it <laughs> no this record is of a theme like it, it is it, it and I think that's also why people like it too is because it um it, it, there's a range to it. It's, it stays in. It stays in a place. Uh, it doesn't kind of go all over the place. It's. It's very. It, it has a. It, its own genre. Do you like his voice in this period? It's all right. I mean, you know, if you liked him earlier, it's not like, oh, this is so, this is so terrible. You know, it's still him. It, it is piercing. I like the way he um, he's, he still packages his lyrics amazingly well with, with this particular style, you know, the lizard man style. It's still, he delivers a line, still it's great. I find the lyrics so bland. They're not a standout at all, and then no other element comes in to make oh, I up like for these, it. I like these lyrics. Uh, a, I forget what the line is. It's like he might get to it, but we don't have to wait until he gets to the phrase. But what's the phrase? I don't remember it exactly, but it's like um, basically like when you think you've lost everything, you realize you could lose a little more. I really like the lyrics in that song. I think they're they're different. I mean, his this is where his lyric writing. I will agree that his lyric writing did change on this record and kind of stayed in that spot where, um, you know, the songs kind of like roam around lyrically. Like it's not as pointed as it was before. Where he's like he's not talking to somebody anymore. He's not like, you know, needling someone or uh, talking about like a, a specific event. You know, there are exceptions like Roll on John and the, the JFK one or whatever, but like this point forward, he's like talking about love. It's like overall concepts and the lyrics just kind of roll through those concepts. And I'll agree that that is on this record, that's where that kind of started. But I, I appreciate it when he's doing it well, like on this song or uh, that song Mississippi that's on um, Love and Theft, where you know, you just, you're listening, it's just sort of the lyrics are washing over you. And every so often there's a line that just like digs into you. And it's very different than his style before where you're listening to every single line, like waiting for the next one. Cause it's, you yeah, know, cause it was good. <laughs> I was going to say, cause it was like sequential. Like it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's really part of a narrative as opposed to, um, you know, rumination, but you know, that's not going to be for every listener. Yeah. It, uh, it's not for me so far. It's, I just, I, I feel crazy. I'm like, oh, wait, you're talking about that? Sounds great. I want to hear it, that album. You know, I, I love me Dylan. I love me some mm-hmm. Dylan. I, I love the classic run, Blood on the Tracks, one of the great all-time singer-songwriter albums. Even New Morning, I have uh, great affection for. Uh, yeah, but he's still, end- 
doing his thing on New Morning. It's not like, oh, it's so hard to get into that record. Like critics panned it or, or didn't like it for whatever reason, but it's like, you know, he's doing the Dylan thing there. It's It's got oomph. It's got momentum. His voice is still working. It's it, There's good melodies. You were, uh, you were telling me when we, well, you've said it a few times, but I, I remember uh, you mentioning it when we looked at uh, Steely Dan's Gaucho. You're like, these melodies just completely in one ear, out the other. They don't stick to me at all. There's nothing about them that's catchy or engaging. These, what we just heard was so, the melody was just so beige, vanilla, bland to me. Like what, and then the voice isn't there and then the lyrics are just plain. I would say they're they're not distinct and then it's just a big cloud of of nothing. And then it won three Grammys and I'm I'm very confused. I would say it's a big cloud of something. <laughs> you know, I don't I don't disagree with your point about that. It's sort of uh like all over the place and like in the arrangement and, and the production and the lyrics and his delivery, like these songs feel nebulous. But it seems like that was the intention. You know, you listen to all the reverb on it, like when is Dylan like swamp out his music in reverb, not like this. That's the only part that I find kind of interesting is, is but it, that but component. It's, that approach is reflective of all the other things you're talking about that you dislike. It's like these are supposed to be like, you know, you're in a cloud and, and he's ruminating and you're there with him. And, it, you know, you might not want to be there with him, but that's what's happening on this this record. These These songs aren't nebulous. You don't like Make You Feel My Love, though? I mean, that song is like, to me, kind of just like a classic love song. Like, I, I don't even know how else you would describe that's, it. That's from the same album here? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, Adele covered it to great success, I believe. Uh, oh, boy. The next gen is, has heard it. <laughs> let's, uh, all right, let's check that one out. Again, this is my loss. I'm. <sighs> no, you can have, there's no rule that says you, you can't have more than one bad take per episode. If this album, I mean, if this album, <laughs> hadn't been released by Bob Dylan or if, if if his name wasn't Bob Dylan on this, if it was Mark Nobody, Mark Nobody put this out, I really, I can't imagine people would care about it. I, it's just, I feel like it's just coasting on... You could say that about Highway 61. I mean, it's like... Oh, no, you know. no, 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 no. That, that one, you hear Highway 61, whether you love it or not, there's too much going on there for it to be forgettable. I am so past that argument of Aww. the cream rises to the top. I mean, like that movie yesterday is just a great example of that where it's just like, if somebody was playing Beatles songs on YouTube right now, no one would give a shit. Yeah, you could argue that if someone was starting from the bottom that they wouldn't dig into this album, but I think that would be true of most classic records. It's just like, you know, it doesn't work like that. I'm saying Highway 61 and this, it's two, they're decades apart too, but it's two completely different artists. One's on top of their game. The other, it's like, I just, I don't get it. Let, let's let's get into Make You Feel My Love, see if this, okay. this helps anything at all. Well, you're not a real sentimental guy, though, but this, this is a good... Hey, I listen to Sam Cooke. All right, this is, this is I, I think this is a classic love song. I, I just, I don't know how, how else you would view it. I mean, the melody I, is great. Do, I, do you want to hear a classic love song coming out of this guy's voice, though? Um, I think that's why... A lot of people covered this tune. I mean, I like it when he's singing it, but you know, I know Adele sang it. A bunch of other people sang it. I think there's, there's somebody else that's like of note that made a cover of this and, and did it really successfully. I, I, a lot of people had success with this song that that weren't him. So I think to your point, yeah, other people <laughs> did want to hear somebody else's voice, but the melody itself is is a. Uh, pretty sterling right, i'm gonna listen for this this melody you keep talking about here okay uh, make you feel my love let's go when the rain is blowing in your face <laughs> and the whole is on your case there are more chord changes here at least
sounds really paint by numbers though. Songwriting wise. Alright, come back next week with a song like this. <laughs> let's see, let's see what it sounds like. I was just about to say, sir, uh, I had the fortune recently of uh, contributing contributing some keyboards to a, a new Thin Lear tune. I, w- I won't divulge more than that. Uh, but I really we lo- actually just finished. We just got horns on awesome. it. Awesome. We got horns to that ending section. You got to send yeah. me that later. I really enjoyed the Hello. tune. I enjoyed it immediately, and uh, it was a pleasure playing on it. If you gave me this song, if you said, "Hey, I got a new song called Make You Feel My Love. I want some keyboards on it, Niagara Moon." You know, I'd still gladly do it, but I'd be thinking in the back of my head, oh, this isn't one of his better ones. <laughs> Sincerely. I can't, I cannot believe that you've, all right, so, <laughs> okay, put on, let's try something. Let's do a let's little Let's go test. to Love and Theft, maybe? Uh, <laughs> before we do that, <laughs> okay. <laughs> let's put on the Adele version instead. I want to see what she did with it. I want to deconstruct this song for you to make you like it, because I feel like you just do not like his... Uh, his stylings during this period. All right, so we're switching over uh, aboard when aboard. The rain is blowing <laughs> in we're your we're face. moving over to Adele. I'm not an Adele fan, but she is a great vocalist, so this this should be a no brainer. Yeah. the song you would have more appreciation for I'd it i feel like oh this is one of his lesser ones it's serviceable i'm not gonna say it's capital b bad but it's it's bland i think this is just good songwriting i don't it's like from some forgettable disney movie there, there's a there is the melody's stronger than that i know you're saying that it, the lyrics are watered down but it's a it's, it's a, a big, little schmaltzo it is but i think it's great still it's boring schmaltzo Okay. I'd rather listen to this version. Certainly, I'll give you that. But man, I feel like this is going to be the last episode of this podcast. Um, <laughs> just perhaps I have we ever disagreed this hard? Where you're really two times in a much? row. Well, there's that too. But you really you're into turn of the century, Dylan. I did not know this about you, and I am really not. I don't like covet his later catalog. I do, you know, I like songs off Love and Theft. I love, I like songs off Modern Times. You I like, said it would be better than New Morning. Th- Time Out of Mind, I feel like is a better record than New Morning. Yeah. If dogs run free, why can't we? They, well, there you go. You know, I feel like there are great songs on that record, but as a whole, yeah, Time Out of Mind for me is... It's just, I, I think I know what you don't like about it is that it's like, it's searching. It's so still. It's just so not going anywhere interesting. Well, I was going to say that, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it is difficult to find the center of the songs, I think, because of the production, because of the lyrics. But um, I think that's what people like about it. I mean, that's what I like about it. It's like, it's not really a record you can just put on and just have it on. Like, I think you, you really have to listen to it because it... You could interpret it as meandering if you're not paying attention to it. It's not like a Spotify album, I, I would say that. All right. Well, what's like your favorite song from your favorite later period Dylan album? So I can really squash your hopes and dreams here. Jeez. Um, all right. Let me look. Again, I mean, I'm not listening to late period Dylan like a ton. I had a period where I was into it, I would say in like 2004 or five. And I had, 
I think I've made, I hope I haven't shared this on the podcast before, but I went to this show with these like Dylan heads at my college and it was like the older people. They were like in their forties and they were like, Oh, he's doing poor boy. Oh, he's doing uh, Mississippi th- this time. He's doing this. And I was like, I could not tell the difference. <laughs> he was playing. I was like, yeah, yeah, it's cool. He's doing that. I don't think you're going to like any of these songs. Yeah, I'm, I'm not, but I, I, I want to be able to say I tried. It's not really trying. I'm not going to play anything from his uh, Frank Sinatra records because that's just not no, I, fair. I, I, we're not talking about Bob Dylan, the cover artist. We're not taking cheap shots at his Christmas album like we did uh, many episodes ago. The guy was still writing songs, had something to say, and I just do not get why it resonates with people. Put on, um, you're not going to like it, but put on uh, uh, Mississippi, and it's the, it's the version of Mississippi from the bootleg series. And is it originally from uh, Love and Theft, so early 2000s? Yes, yes indeed. two songs we heard before but still it's like a lesser thin lear tune i'd be like all right i'll play on this one but matt can write better than this This is a little Mm -hmm. yeah i'm not it's not clicking i don't get why that's an example of superlative songwriting it's just not for you i can't argue you into this i mean it's just like you know like if somebody feel like we need to arm wrestle now it's like the john prine thing it's just like if you don't i'll take john prine over this in a heartbeat i you you don't like music i think that's driven by lyrics and i and i think that's the issue i like here, a lot of that, leonard cohen and <laughs> sometimes there's not much going on besides the stories he's telling yeah but i could play you leonard cohen records that you wouldn't like you know i know the leonard cohen that you like and it's and it's driven by ornate interesting ghostly arrangements you know i would Songs i would from a room that's just his guitar half the time but but still like there's there's a vibe there that you're latching onto this is different this is like like the lyrics are front and center, and it's kind of uh, unadorned. Mm. But I still, I still appreciate late period Dylan. Obviously, it's not as good. It's like this is, this is like the final cut argument. It's like ridiculous. Like obviously, it's not as good as his, as his classic era. Uh, but I think there's still stuff there. I wouldn't put him in the category of boomer music that fizzled. You know, I don't think he's he's making. I mean, maybe as now I haven't listened to a, a new Dylan record in a while, but. Like at that time, it's not like he was making stuff that wasn't consequential still. Uh, there weren't still songs that like, you're like, oh yeah, like he's got it. But yeah, no, it's not, he's not, uh, it's not 68. I don't need it to be 68. And again, I, I don't even need it to be something I hear and I, and I clamor for and listen to all the time. But unlike a lot of other artists of his time, like yeah, even Paul Simon, I'm not going to love a 2000s Paul Simon album, but it doesn't confound me seeing the popularity of it, it doesn't just make me go crazy the, the way this, this Dylan thing. And, and he's released dozens of albums now, it seems, in this later period. And again, people are putting him over John Wesley Harding above Nashville Skyline. Forget about it. And um, I, I feel alone. 
I don't know if I'd put it above Nashville Skyline. I, I I like that record quite a bit. One listener out there has has heard the stuff from this segment and and is agreeing with me. I I need you. Somebody, somebody oh, tell me I'm not crazy here. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm sure. I mean, I I know that this isn't uh, for everyone. I'm su- I'm just surprised that you picked this record as but like if you picked Love and Theft, I think it'd be an easier argument mm. or Modern Times or whatever. I just feel like time out of mind. I I you know. If you don't like the songs, you don't like the songs. But it definitely, it, it is its own vibe. It, it stands out in his catalog. I don't think he made another record like that one. Well, shit. Uh, yeah. I got nothing else to say. I think uh, I'm pretty sure all our listeners hate me now. Sure. Oh, well, it'd be deserved. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what did we learn today? <laughs> I don't know. I, I really don't know. That there, you, you have some hot takes left in you. You still got some hot takes. In Are there. they even? I, I, can't, I can't be the only one. Like John Lennon sings, I. But I'm not the only one. I'm imagining a world where people are 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 wise to uh, the sham, the emperor's new clothes of of '90s Dylan and beyond. Not liking late period Dylan. <laughs> I I learned uh, that I'm still not going to get into Doctor John. I got nothing against the guy. If I ever go to one of your swampy mystical parties i'll i'll be glad to hear him there i am th- i'm throwing a lot of mystical parties at my house we have to wait till the baby's asleep and then we have to stop the party when the baby wakes up but uh, aside from that i know how that goes very exciting parties <laughs> very exciting indeed emily still hasn't listened to the podcast that she guessed it on she doesn't want to hear well what it sounded like but it's all she did great never listen to this one instead i'd be very curious to hear what she <laughs> She thought of our antics. She likes Make You Feel My Love. She knows that okay. song. Or she knew it from Adele. She's like, oh, I thought this was an Adele song. Another strike against me. Yeah, <sighs> totally. And she loves the soy bomb incident. That so I do want to see. That I'm going to look up after this. pretty fantastic. It's great. Well, if you enjoyed this episode of Losing My Opinion, and I'm not sure that you did, but nevertheless, go ahead and subscribe on your platform of choice so you never miss a future episode. Leave us a nice rating or a review. You can follow Losing My Opinion on Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok, all at Losing My Opinion. And I fucking said it. I said Bob Dylan ain't shit after 1970, late 70s, whatever, and I could be wrong now. But I don't think so. Um, yeah, you took some big steamy dumps on some classic music today. <laughs> you better watch your back around there. Some listeners going to come after you. And? Oh, uh, so long, suckers. <laughs> <laughs> well, Abe said, where you want this killing done? God said, on highway 61.